Welcome to the Christian Freethinkers Project. This is episode two, The American Gospel. So my boss always got sick of me. He used to yell at me for giving lawyer non-answers. I'm like, well, it depends if we have this and this and this and this. He's like, stop talking to me and lawyer speak. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think it was President Truman who... It's either Truman or Eisenhower who uh, famously said, can someone please get me an economist with one hand? Because the economist, he'd ask them a question and they'd say, well, I mean, on one hand, uh, you could do this and this might happen. But on the other hand, (laughs) it's like, for God's sake, somebody get me an economist with only one hand. All right. So, Jeff, let's be serious for a minute. Okay. So, you and I, we both have our own families. We are both the primary income earners of our family. Would that be fair to say? That would be fair to say. Not to say that our our spouses don't contribute, but we would be the primary income earners. Um, So, what if I told you that I found a way that could make all of your financial, all of your health, all of your emotional, all of your troubles just go away. Oh, God, please, yes. (laughs) (laughs) How about student loans? Does that include student loans? You know, it actually does. Oh, good God, yes, please. Okay, All right. where do I sign up? Is this, wait, 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 wait. Is this a multi-level marketing scheme? You know, I knew you were going to ask that, and no, it is not. Do I have to sell essential oils? No. No, you have to sell unessential oils. Do I have to tell people that they are essential? (laughs) Only if you want to sell them. (laughs) All right. Now, wait. Now, Now, here's the deal. What if I told you that you had the power to become the most successful lawyer that you had ever known? I mean, I feel like that's already the track that I'm on, so that's really not that important. But what if I told you <laughs> that you don't you don't need to go do anything without like extra effort or work? Yeah, no, no. Oh yeah, please. Awesome. Now let me tell you about this amazing thing called the Word of Faith movement. Have you heard of that before? Uh, what now? The 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 Word of Faith movement. It's great. And let me tell you why. See, if you pray to God and you're a Christian and you ask God for something and you believe he's going to give it to you, then he will. Have you been on the Facebook again? No, no, no. But I have been reading a lot of books. In prepping for this week, I have literally gone through two Joel Olstein books. So what do we have to do? What do we have to do to like to make this this richest thing happen? The richest thing happen? All right. The riches. I want the riches. All right. I'm going to give you the lowdown. So like I said, I spent the last week listening to books on tape by famous Word of Faith movement pastors like Joel Olstein. And, you know, books so aptly named Your Best Life Now. Think better and live better, and you can, you will. 
And honestly, I can completely understand how people can be so enamored with the movement. So first, let's talk a little bit of knowledge and history. So what is the Word of Faith movement and where did it come from? The Word of Faith is a movement that started in the Pentecostal church in America in about the mid-late 20th century. And it was really made famous by a Assemblies of God pastor named Ken Hagen. The A.G. The A.G. And I also have to take not time. Not the O.G. No, no, not at all. But I also have to, to mention. The O.G. would be the original gangster. Even though Hagen is attributed as being the father of the Word of Faith movement, he actually has been criticized for taking a lot of the doctrine for the Word of Faith movement from another pastor, E.W. Kenyon. So both are attributed with starting it. However, Ken Hagen is the, is the primary person who, who really started the, the movement and to make it bigger. So the Word of Faith movement, what, what makes it so distinct compared to all the other flavors of Christianity is that they reject the idea that Christians have to suffer or be poor in order to be godly. That's what everybody's always believed, right? No. No, no, not at all. Wait, um, but doesn't like doesn't my faith necessarily mean that my business will succeed and like you know I won't have to worry about things? Um, you know that is what the Word of Faith movement says. Okay, cool. So you're still on board. Essential oils. All right, essential. So kind of like the opposite the way i like to think of them is the opposite um are you familiar with like the gnostic movement um it occurred like is way back in like early christianity by early christianity i mean about like the fourth century fifth century which is kind of where the nicene creed came out of there was that they there was these group of christians called the gnostics and they believed that everything that was physical money wealth even your body was essentially evil evil and that Christians needed to reject all these things in order to live a spiritually pure and godly life. Interesting. It is interesting. So this is kind of, I like to think of this as the exact opposite of that, saying that, no, you don't, you know, it, at first it kind of, to me, it sounds very balanced, right? It sounds kind of like, oh, no, you, you don't have to suffer. Great. I mean, I'm on board with that too, right? And I don't like suffering. So. No, I, I never met a person who does. And if I did, I would call him a Gnostic. What really defines the Word of Faith movement is... The idea that God always wants his people to have physical, emotional, and financial, relational, and even spiritual healing or prosperity. Happiness. Happiness. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, to me, that only makes sense, right? If God loves us, he would only want the best for us, right? Which always definitively means being happy. Yeah. True. No, yeah. I get it. Yep. Right. So, so here's the catch. God will only give you help you attain these things if you make him Ooh. see i I know it sounds really weird because i mean you know like how can we make the creator of the universe do what we want right by sending some money to benny hen you no 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 so hagen here's the deal i'm gonna save you a lot of money and i'm gonna tell you the secret you ready to know the secret yeah, there's a whole book written about this, wasn't there? Um, th- it's not that secret. Oh, okay. See, this secret is that God has made certain promises in the Bible to his believers. And if you know about these promises, you can 
use them to be able to have God work on your side. Oh. So, so let me give you an example, right? Right. So here's an exact right out of the Bible, the New International Version, Mark chapter 11, verse 23 through 24. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he said, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And so I get it. It totally makes sense here. What God is saying is that as long as you fully believe that your selfish, materialistic, worldly prayers are going to be answered, then they'll be answered. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it it literally says whatever you ask for in prayer. And, I mean, of course, we have to take this thing literally, right? Of course. Well, this, this is a quote from Jesus, so why not? That last part is really kind of what the word of faith has really latched on to. So since Jesus is God, and God said, whatever I ask for in prayer, and believe that it has happened, then God will make it happen. So it's this simple. All you got to do is step one, Jeff. Ask God for what you want in prayer. Step two, believe that God has done what you've asked him to do. And step three, profit. Would another way to say this be name it and claim it? You know, that is actually one of the names that this, uh, that the movement has been come to be known as. Uh, name it and claim it. And you can see why they name it and they claim it. In the spirit of Ken Hagen, uh, I am stealing that, uh, that phrase and I am saying that uh, I came up with it. I think it's only fair. Me too. All right. So to be fair, I mean, this is the Christian Free Thought Program, right? Where the Christian Free Thinkers, no, I'm sorry, the Christian Free Thinkers Project. I should get our name right. (sighs) I mean, whatever. You know, we're that thing on the internet that about 10 people have downloaded. So let's talk about, you know, what are some criticisms of the Word of Faith movement? You know, why, why is it, I mean, you would think something like that sounds so fantastic. Why on earth would it be contentious? Um, but it's well, basically because it's bunk. Well, yeah, maybe I don't know. Like I'm, I'm Let's not gonna, come I'm to conclusions gonna, without talking about. I'm gonna it. name it. You're, you're gonna name gonna it and claim it. it. But here's the deal: you have to pray yeah. it over it. If you don't pray over it, you can't force God into doing it. And and if God doesn't do it, clearly it's because you have doubted. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I, I feel like we can, I feel like we can, um, you know, uh, drop a little nuclear bomb on this uh, with just one scriptural story. I mean, we could probably use a hundred different scriptural stories, but um, I, I'll give you my favorite one. Sure. Um, and and it really comes back to this, um, you know, to this idea of name it and claim it now. I've never been an adherent of name it and claim it uh, or the prosperity movement, but um, it was a number of years ago after I had just started my law firm and uh, 
it was it was a rough patch. I mean, you know, anybody who has a, a small firm can tell you that the way that small firm life goes is it's feast or famine. And it was it was a famine period. And we were six months into famine, right? And uh, this thought just occurred to me that, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they're about to go into the fiery furnace, they, they tell Nebuchadnezzar, they say, our God will deliver us. He will deliver us from this fiery furnace. And that's where we like to stop that story in our culture, right? But the rest of that verse goes on to say, but if he doesn't, just know that he's still God. And I remember sitting outside of a Wawa after... um, after actually after a hockey game, but after a, uh, after a men's league hockey game and I'm sitting outside of the Wawa and the slot just races through my brain where I thought, Oh man, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego realized that even though they fully believed that God was going to deliver them from the fiery furnace, that he might not. And so if, God might let Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego die in the fiery furnace. He might also let my business fail for some purpose that he has. Or my business might just fail, and it might be that there is no particular purpose either way with respect to that in God's eyes. But that was a reality that I had to accept. That reality, the fact that that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to tell Nebuchadnezzar, hey, listen, even if God doesn't save us from this furnace, he's still God. It just decimates the entire um, principle behind the prosperity movement. But it doesn't, Jeff. <sighs> and, and let me explain to you why your lack of faith has brought you to where you are now you see the word of faith movement is applied to us because of Jesus Jesus was the one who made that promise who was God and because he made that promise which and he and which this was a promise that was made after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It does not apply. Well, I guess you have a good point there. And I mean, and I will add to that, Jesus lived a life of opulence and luxury. And so all the evidence really supports this idea that you know that Jesus oh. would Oh, I will, I will tell you that I, I listened to several sermons where many preachers have this week that have made the point that both Jesus and his disciples were wealthy men. Uh, what now? Yes. That is true. And what did, what, what, what did they base that on? Oh, do you know the Bible? Oh, the Bible. I mean, they obviously were wealthy. I mean, you know, you had, I want to say it was 
Matthew and I think Peter, they were both fishermen. You know, they owned their own boats. That was a sign of, you know, that they were good businessmen and that they were doing well. Um, I think one of them was a, a Brabus was a, or not, or not Brabus, which one? No, Brabus is the guy who they let free. Uh, Judas, Judas, he was a tax collector. So obviously he had lots of money. Was Judas the tax collector? Judas was, and that's that's why they put him in front of in. That's why they put him in charge of the money for the disciples. If you didn't know that, Man, that was his job. That's ironic. It is not. They're like, wow, God was even able to redeem a tax collector, and look how that went. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> so let's 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 talk about some of the contention. All right, let's move on. Okay. All right. So, from a theological perspective. Um, both Hagen and Kenyon, Kynan, Kenyon. It doesn't even matter. Anyways, so Hagen has been accused of taking the secular New Thought movement, um, which was derived in the in the nineteenth century, and essentially rebranding it and labeling it to Christianity. So, are are you familiar with the New Thought movement, Jeff? I am not. All right. So for those of you who are not, its core tenets states, our mental states influence our interpretation of our experiences and that through the principle of co-creation and partnership, our thoughts can be carried forward into manifestation and become our experience in daily living. In other words, what you think you can can be manifested into reality. I think that actually is the the uh, the book, the secret. That's like the the main premise of it. That that really if is you, yes. If you visualize it, if exactly. You visualize it, then you can uh, cause it to be exactly. And that's that's very similar to the Word of Faith movement. They have a very similar philosophy, with the exception of you know you have to visualize it. You have to, which essentially is the same thing as saying I have to believe it. Right. If I have to believe that when I when I say these words in a prayer to God, I have to believe it's going to happen. I have to visualize it inside of my mind. And if I'm not able to do that, then then God's not able to do what he needs to do to make this happen. Uh, but I want to go even further. So there. So that's that's one contention. And but honestly, probably the the larger of the two contentions is what Hagen and other preachers kind of, you know, following the natural progression of, you know, this word of faith movement. And essentially they have, what they've done is they've equated Christians and believers to little gods. And I don't just mean that it's inferred by the teachings that we can make God give us what we want. Just by, I mean that they literally mean that a small part of scripture, that there's a small part of scripture, and if you tie some logic into it, that directly it teaches that we are all gods with a lowercase g. And the thinking on the subject is probably best put forth by a word of faith preacher named uh, Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar. What a great name. Do you think that was his birth name? I, I sure hope so. But I want to read to you an excerpt from one of his, his sermons. Uh, right. Can I be the uh, Can I be the congressman? Oh, I'm sorry, the congregation. So <laughs> I was looking at your notes and I read congressman. You You may be a congressman within the congregation if you wish. All right. All right. All right. So if horses get together, they produce what? Horses. 
if dogs get together, they produce what? Dogs. If cats get together, they produce what? Cats. So if the Godhead says, let us make man in our image, and everything produces after its own kind, then they produce what? Okay, now I'm going to stop you right here. That's what I'd say is the congregation. Unless they're blinking the answer up on a screen behind him, there's no way that I'm getting the answer, gods, <laughs> out of this. I, I would have thought the same, but I actually watched a video. I didn't. I did not see. What you didn't see is they were flashing the word gods up on the screen behind Apparently. him, I swear. But the answer, the answer is gods. Gods. That's little g gods. You're not human. The only human part of you is the flesh that you're wearing. Wow. Right? That's, I just... <sighs> you know what's interesting about it, really? They built an entire theology to justify themselves uh, to the handful of people that they thought might be smart enough to dissect their claims and and try to 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 uh, present them with a theological basis, but I mean, come on, are you trying to tell me that <laughs> that the vast majority of their uh, uh, their viewership is able to uh, to string all of this together? No, no. What I have seen in my research is that there's two halves to their viewership. There is the half of the people who are doing extremely well in their life and they fully attribute it to God's blessing in their life. And so this this rings well for them. You know, so you'll see those are the people who are, you know, wearing their three-piece suits you know, they run their own business, you know, run their own business in a very successful way. CEOs, CFOs, a lot of those people who are extremely wealthy. This is a gospel that essentially matches them. It's, 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 it's a motivation. It's Christ as a motivational speaker, pretty much. It's, it makes me feel good. It self empowers me and it justifies the fact that I am awesome because, because God is blessing me and making me this way. And then the other half is the people who are afraid and destitute, the people who are scared, the people who want, you know, so badly to have, you know, to have some sort of healing that the medical doctors are not able to help with. You know, they want so badly for somebody to help them get out of their, you know, several hundred thousand dollar student loan debt. You know, they, these are the people, these are like, I, you know, in, in the American society, we would call them the dreamers, right? These are the people who, who believe in America. They believe in the, in, in that America is a place that if they put in all their effort, that they're going to succeed. And that that's kind of what they're hoping and expecting out of God and church. If I put in all my effort, then I am going to succeed. And by succeed, they mean I'm going to be healed. They mean all my financial issues are going to be taken care of. They mean I'm going to get promoted at work. It means, you know, whatever it means you want it to mean. It means I get the new, means my, you know, my Corolla broke down and now I'm driving a BMW. You know, it's funny because uh, it, it shows, in my opinion, and again, I mean, we are the Christian Freethinkers Project, so 
we understand that you, you know, you might come to a totally different conclusion than we have reached, right? Um, and that sometimes Josh and I are going to come to different conclusions with one another. Um, but it, it strikes me as um, such a fundal, fundamental misunderstanding of uh, the gospel to think this. You know, um, I mean, I even, I look at it and think, you know, what would what would Jesus think if if he were to come back right now and be in in you know in the car with us or in the living room with us and he looked at how we're living our lives what i don't think his response would for the most part be very kind or enthusiastic right i think he'd look at us and go you're living such an opulent existence and there are people starving and there are people that are destitute and you're not doing anything. You're, you're going on extravagant vacations and you are eating out and you are, you know, wearing the latest designs without regard for the, the cost of those things. And you make sure you have a new car and all these things. And, and I don't see that being something that Jesus can relate to at all. I'll even take it a step further, Jeff, and and to say that, you know, millions of dollars is that I've seen raised inside of the evangelical church with the simple goal of sending Bibles to a place where people can't even afford to, to feed their children because of the misidentifying that that they're that that this spiritual need will somehow fulfill you know or and or trump their physical needs. I mean to me how horrible of a person how deluded can you be to think that that is the proper response. Now I understand, you know, if, if you fully believe a person's going to go to hell unless they believe in Jesus, that's great. But wouldn't you rather let them live a good life? And tell them about Jesus at the exact same time, or are you just going to leave them in destitute and say, "Let's just sit, let's just ship them straight to heaven"? I mean, Jesus, Jesus needs more people. We're just going to ship them straight to heaven. Forget about having to wait. Not to step on any toes here, but I, I, I believe that you and I had a conversation uh, not long ago uh, about the Crusades and the the Catholic Church, and uh, there there was this period in history. I recently uh, came across this in one of Nassim Taleb's books uh, where he, he discussed this point in history where the Catholic church um, literally was just going through villages um, that were, you know, maybe predominantly Muslim or predominantly heretics in their, in their eyes and killing everybody with the idea that yes, there were believers in there, but I mean, you know, literally kill them all and let God sort them out, you know, uh, let, let God, uh, separate the the Catholics who died uh, a death for a good cause um, at the hands of other Catholics trying to rid the world of you know apostates and heretics um, and that really kind of falls on that same same line to me send them Bibles they're gonna starve but you know screw it at least they got uh, they they've got salvation and they'll go to heaven quick because we didn't send any race bags with it <sighs> It is printed on rice paper, though, so, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so, Jeff, I, 
with everything that we've said with the criticisms, I I still got to be honest with you. I still like the idea of Word of Faith. Like, I mean, I completely understand why people fall in love with this movement. I mean, you can well, it's literally... it's like communism. Well, literally, it's... You can take... No, no, it's it's opposite of communism. You no, literally... No, no. This, is, this is libertarianism. You take control of your life, and you have the complete backing of God. It's like communism in this way, though. It sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? Everybody... Everybody's needs are met. Communism sounds great. If, you know, in the abstract, it sounds like it would be such a brilliant idea. Everybody does a little bit of the work and everybody has abundance, but it's also not reality. And so I I would say word of faith movement, even though their their, uh, um, aims are completely different, they're both identical in the sense that sounds cool definitely not reality oh yeah and and to me like so the people the out of the word of faith movement i guess what really breaks my heart the most is the stories that i've i've read through this week of people who you know have horrible cancer there's this one woman whose story she um she was in the word of faith movement and she was pregnant with her husband and they did an ultrasound and they found the baby had a heart defect and the doctors told them it wasn't going to live and so she and her husband did the word of faith thing you know they they didn't tell their family they they literally prayed they told maybe one or two other people and they prayed and they believed that god was going to heal their baby and that everything was going to fine you know she went full term with the baby and her family, all of her family members, she told them everything's great, everything's going to be awesome, because she knew she had to believe that the, that if she didn't, you know, if she doubted for one second, then God wasn't going to fulfill his promise. And the, the day came, and she said that even when her husband was sitting there holding her daughter dead in his arms, she still believed that God was going to give a miracle. And it didn't finally hit her until... She pulled up at the gravesite when they were doing the funeral, and she saw the casket that she fi- that it finally hit her that God did not answer her prayer. Wow, that is that is a horribly depressing story, isn't it? But this is this is what it does to people. You know, it it literally is. If you believe it, it will happen, and if you don't believe it, then it's on you. It literally is on you. And so imagine the amount of psychological trauma that 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 family has, you know, went through over the fact of, you know, if I believe it, it's going to happen. And the fact that it didn't happen, first of all, they feel, you know, flat on their face. You know, they feel like everything they believed has been a lie. Which turns out, I mean, kind of. Well, well, either one or two things are wrong. Either either everything you've been told is a lie or you... your lack of faith caused your baby to die. That's terrible. Isn't it? I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, And again, I know that some people are, um, I mean, some people I'm sure believe this stuff, but these guys are flying around in private jets, living the tax-free life because they're set up as nonprofits, collecting crazy amounts of cash, 
living in mansions, riding around with private chauffeurs. They're scumbags. They're absolute scumbags because they have built empires off of telling people what people want to hear. It's true. Anybody will, if you tell somebody what they want to hear, they will buy it. In fact, they'll buy two of them. Look at Socrates. Socrates actually gets poisoned, uh, as was the, uh, the, the, one of the typical death sentences in the Greek culture at the time. He, he was uh, convicted of uh, corrupting the minds of the youth because he had, <laughs> because he had been teaching that, uh, that there's a danger, an inherent danger in democracy. And that is if, if the society has a need, right? And you have two candidates and the one candidate is going up and saying, uh, there's this need that we have and, and we have to go through this tough time to, you know, provide the funds to address the need, right? And the other candidate says, nonsense, everybody gets a tax credit. People are going to vote in the guy that says everybody gets a tax credit because he told them what they wanted to hear. And so in response to, to Socrates saying this, the people uh, convicted him of corrupting the youth and sentenced him to death. So basically completely validated everything that he said. So you're saying the politicians. And and I'm lumping, uh, I'm, I'm also lumping the, the faith movement in here. I, as, as I feel you fully should. I'm saying that that these guys are out there telling us what we want to hear. And we continue over and over to prove Socrates right by, um, you know, following the Pied Piper to our own demise. Yeah. And and I want I want to be totally fair, Jeff, that um, I referenced a lot of Joel Osteen. Um, He's only one of many that are out there. Creflo Dollar, Creflo Dollar, Joy, Benny Hinn, uh, Joyce Meyer. No, not Joyce. Joyce, Joyce Meyer. Uh, I'm not sure about oh, her. Oh yeah, she she's she's she is definitely Jimmy Baker. Oh yeah, Baker. He was definitely one. Um, Our man Jimmy Baker. Do you know that he? Not only did he fool people once, but he's fooling them again after going to jail for having fooled them. Oh my gosh. You know, actually, my my he he my grandparents were one of the people. You're kidding me. No, no, they they listen to their TBN. They love they love their Jimmy Baker. Well, Jeez, they're not they're not around man. anymore, but they they were, they were one of the ones who, who were were fooled by him. It's unbelievable. It's yeah. it's just and and I'll be honest, like so the the like Assemblies of God. You know, I had already mentioned before, like that's where I grew up. Um, my church wasn't a word of faith church, but that was a very popular belief when I grew up, the word of faith movement. And, and it was very, um, n- not to the extreme that, that a lot of the word of faith pastors today, at least not the ones that I had, but I, I definitely see the, the seeds of the word of faith movement in what was being preached in the churches that I grew up with. You know, and, and, and uh, I, and I, and I can remember, like, if I wanted something, I prayed for it and I believed it w- and I believed, you know, I think it turned out pretty okay. I don't know. Uh, 
and I'm not saying I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for things and believe in God for a miracle because I do believe that God does you know perform miracles. Um however, I I I'm not I'm not going to go along with them and and uh you know throw out the values of the Old Testament under some you know crazy pretense that that Jesus changed all the parts that we didn't like and kept the parts that we did like um by virtue of his existence. No, no, that that was Ken Hagen that did that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to pray for it, believe in God for the miracle, but know that if the miracle doesn't come, he's still God. I mean, it 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 doesn't change either way. Right. Well, and that's the thing and and we should be praying we should be praying not with the expectation that God is going to do what we say. We should be praying in a way, beseeching ourselves, asking, and submitting ourselves to whether or not God chooses to respond, or you know, and how He chooses to respond. Totally agree. What I want to know is where does Benny find all the fallers? Benny Heaney? Benny Hinn, yeah. I mean, where does he find the fallers? Uh, because, uh, come on. Like, is there an ad that gets placed? Is How locked down is that non-disclosure agreement that you were one of the people that went on the stage and fell down um, at a Benny Hinn rally? You know, this really isn't much different than, um, it reminds me of, there's this guy who is a Tai Chi master. Now, you know Tai Chi, you know, like in America, yeah. it's it's essentially, you know, old people do it in the park to, you know, stay, you know, it's slow and relaxing, uh, but following the, the belief of, of Chi, essentially it's you're harnessing your internal energy source and... So he actually has his own martial arts studio where he teaches people how to harness their chi. And if you watch videos of him um, demonstrating his powers with his disciples, it's very similar to a a Benny Hinn uh, revival where he will just stick his hand out at them and they will just be knocked over. And, And I say that not to validate that there is some sort of spiritual power occurring. I you're, say that you're saying, wait, 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 let me interrupt. I think I get what you're saying. Let's hear it. You're saying that Benny Hinn is actually a Tai Chi master. Nailed it. I'm, I'm saying that Benny Hinn found all seven <laughs> Dragon Balls, and he is going <laughs> Super Saiyan. <laughs> uh no, so so He's an what I'm actually trying to say is that there is a certain level of fanaticism that occurs when people believe that sometimes your belief can be so powerful that it can actually you can actually overwhelm yourself. Like to me, like so this is more of the psychology power of the mind and not the interspiritual power of the mind, right? This is you know, the placebo effect, you know, what you think, like what 
you can believe that something is going to happen so powerful that you will actually have a physiological experience. That makes sense. I actually prefer to believe that Benny Hinn's a Tai Chi master, but to each his own. <laughs> to each his own. Well, every time I see Benny Hinn now, I'm going to see Shuruken. <laughs> <laughs> now, let let me ask you this as a, as a, right, a, a right. parting question. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. So, just a few weeks ago, we had the um, the rescue of the kids in the cave in Thailand, the soccer team. Yes. And uh, Thailand is a nation of Buddhists. Um, primarily. It's, it's, it's very it's, primarily. It's a very multinational, uh, but yes, um, I, I can They're, say that because I actually have visited Thailand for two weeks. For what purpose? Oh, I, I, I handed out Bible tracts and <laughs> tried to save people. <laughs> uh, sorry, I knew it was a mission trip, so I just had to have a little fun there. Nothing wrong with mission trips either, so everybody can relax. Oh, actually, um, you know something? I, I will be happy to say that I have a problem with mission trips, but that's a separate episode. Continue. Uh-oh. Maybe next week. Freethinker Project. Today's music is Night Owl by the band Broke for Free. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes, find us on iTunes. Also, if you enjoyed listening, please rate our show on iTunes as it'll help others to find and join the conversation. <laughs>